Craig McLean leans back in his chair, stretching his arms above his head and cracking each of his fingers individually. The life of a recording technician was a busy one, especially him, especially since people had actually started to come back and use Temple Studios again. He remembered the old days, working for Charlie's dad before he had passed away. He would be lucky enough to have two paying customers a week, but these days, uh, the last couple of months, he hadn't had a single day off. Craig was good at what he does, but he wasn't as young as he used to be, and the late nights were starting to play on him, uh, and tonight felt like it was going to be the latest yet. He pressed a button on his control panel, connecting him to the recording booth in front of him, talking directly to the musician. Eddie, uh, my heat's mince here. I think we call it right. We call it a night, yeah? The musician in the booth didn't respond, wiping his brow with a towel before adjusting the neck strap on his saxophone. Craig sighed. These musicians would be the death of him. Sure, Eddie Wilkes Jr. was someone he'd wanted to work with since he'd heard him play in Don Rivers' first album, but uh, this was too much. Look, I'm gonna go to the bathroom. I'll leave this recording so you can just keep going, alright? As he closed the door, Eddie started to play again. The soulful melody captured perfectly by the smooth voice of the saxophone. Craig might be pissed off at the guy, but he had to admit, the man could play. He was probably gone a little bit longer than he needed to be. He hadn't gone to the toilet, instead he'd gone to a storeroom right next to the recording booth. It was the sort of place that Craig knew back to front, and with the lights off in there completely in darkness, he could still find his way around by muscle memory alone. He got himself to the place where he stashed his flask, and Taking the lid off, took a drink, taking a break, pausing. As he did, standing in the darkness, the light in the corridor flickered, only for a second, but it was long enough to make him nervous. The moment he was completely bathed in darkness unsettled him. But a moment or two later, the lights came back on. He stayed for a few more minutes, enjoying his drink, enjoying his break, knowing he was going to probably be there for a few more hours, when he realised that, well, the walls in the studio were thick, it was best for soundproofing, but in this cupboard, he knew that if he was here, he would be able to hear Eddie, he should be able to hear Eddie, and yet he couldn't hear anything. Anything at all. Shit. He thought to himself. Eddie must be waiting, must be pissed off that he's taken so long. He quickly put his flask away and rushed back into the recording studio. But Eddie was gone. There was no sign of him through the window at all. Well, maybe he'd left, but no. Craig shook this idea off. From the cupboard, he would have been able to see Eddie go. Where was he? He couldn't remember why afterwards, but his hand was shaking as he reached for the door to the booth. He hadn't seen what was on the ground yet, so he had no reason to be scared. 
When he did, Seal was on the ground and colour drained away from his face, his stomach churned and he fell back screaming. All that blood. After a moment of dragging himself away, he pulled himself up off the ground. He needed to have a look, needed to see that what he saw was actually what he saw, not a hallucination from sleep deprivation. It, it couldn't be real. He took a few steps forward towards the door and looked down at the ground once more. Eddie's saxophone was lying there, in exactly the space that Eddie had been standing a moment earlier. The metal on the side of the instrument was twisted outwards, as though it, something had burst from it. The once gleaming golden brassy metal was slick with blood, and the fang-like points of metal arching away from the hole in the instrument were hung with ragged strings of flesh. Hours seemed to pass as Craig stared in disbelief. The silence that hung about him was eventually broken by the faint clicking of the recording device used in the studio. The tape had run out. Welcome everyone to the Thorn Files podcast. Last time the uh, investigators had some respite between the series, uh, but of course, as always, it was not that relaxing for most of them. Um, Vera had her night ruined by uh, Changeling coming and delivering her small grey fries bobby uh, statue while at a meal. Uh, Peter was accosted by a demon and his followers. Tabitha looked into the uh, the history of her family and what, tried to get some information out of her uh, grandmother about her grandmother's ghostly chats with her own mother. Um, and Evangeline had a meeting with Nancy Olcott, where Nancy revealed that her and all the members of Woden seemed to be undead in some form. And that's where we pick up with the new mystery starting today. Now, before we jump into anything, we are going to be starting to use the Codex of World Expansion, World of Expansion for Monster of the Week. It's a really great book. If anyone hasn't got it, please go get it. It's fab. Uh, it's got lots of new stuff in it, which I'll try to use some of it. Uh, but one of the main things in it is uh, team moves. So moving forward, the investigators will not just have their own moves, but they'll also have moves that they work on as, which they'll use as a team and assets that are team assets as well. Now in the Codex of Worlds, there is a huge number of uh, example teams uh, in the book, and uh, we have gone for uh, the Always on the Road team, uh, which is fun one, which is about traveling around, which felt very useful for us and the style of team is a is vocation so someone has to do it and it happened to, and you happen to be able at the end of each session we have to ask ourselves did we save the people we went there to save uh, which i'm sure we'll do maybe once or twice uh, for the rest of the podcast series we also get a choice of team moves and team assets like i said before and i'm not going into all of them just now but the one that will be coming to play for this mystery is the home away from home move 
So whenever the team arrives in a new town, uh, they immediately find a motel and cafe that are friendly and welcoming. Or one or the other will turn out to have a connection to the mystery that brought you brought them there. And even if it's just by having a bystander come by and be in there, so it's a good way of getting them straight into mysteries. And assets-wise, uh, they have a field medics because this team keeps getting hurt all the time. And um, they also have credentials, which means that this team now has actual real-life uh, identification that they can use to trick people rather than the poor efforts of <laughs> Peter and Tabitha beforehand um, in the last mystery. So uh, without further ado, we'll jump into things. Where we pick up, it is the morning after... Vera has just brought the uh, brought information to Annabelle Thorne, and there was a revelation about who may be connected to this surge in magic that's been coming up in the UK uh, recently. Vera mentioned to Annabelle the use of blood magic and how it was connected in part and seemed to be connected in part to the similar magic used uh, with uh, the um facility in which peter was given his strange abilities annabelle had mentioned that this seemed like a if this was was connected and the the creature she knew was connected to that one is connected to this what's happening now then things can be far worse than perhaps originally expected they suspected they may be so where we pick up the team is all in um annabelle's office and Annabelle has brought you here to talk through what Vera has mentioned to her. Now, is there anything that Vera wouldn't want the team knowing, Tom? Uh, no. No. Everything, even stuff no, about the changeling. Time. Yep, changeling yeah. as well. It's time for everybody to actually get on board. So, you all find out that uh, Vera has been... Um, has had a creature come into her home and threaten her and Hetty, uh, but has also now come out in public and given them some strange message about Greyfriars Kirk um, or Greyfriars Bobby, the statue that Vera was given. Um, little, little, little statue tourists might get to do it when they come to the city. When Annabelle has you all together, um, is there anything that anyone asks or does in this moment? Vera has been sure to make seemingly significant eye contact with Peter, if he will allow it, uh, at points throughout throughout this um, process. <laughs> Peter will allow it. Um, Peter will share the looks. Um, clarification. As far as Peter's concerned, who is Hetty? Good point. Uh, Hetty is Vera's um, housemate. Um, Vera, I'm sorry you felt that you needed to keep this from us. Um, obviously it's very disturbing and thank goodness your housemate's okay. Would your housemate be going to stay with, um, a family member or a loved one or someone? Her family live uh, in the city as well, but no, no, for the time being, um, no, she's at home. Well, she'll probably be at work. But if this thing found me, us, at our house, I can't imagine if it 
wanted to, it couldn't find her elsewhere. Annabelle steps in at this point and says, I feel like there are things that we need to find out about this creature. Um, and there are things that we need to discuss. This, whatever this thing is, um, I'm going to have uh, John and a few other of our people take position outside of Hetty's office um, for the time being until we know a bit more about what's going on. Um, just to to keep Vera and Hetty a bit more safe than we've been able to keep them at the moment. The uh, There is a pressing matter, however, which I feel like we need to address. Um, Vera has brought to my attention that some of the magic that you've been encountering may ha be connected to a and she looks over at Peter someone that we have been connected to in the past or at least some of us have been connected to in the past um, I don't know how much any of you know about this already but I know about as much as probably most of you know, just from my associates and places I've been able to get my information from. But, um, do you still have the picture of the man? Does it, I'm just going to ask, did, so Evangeline takes very thorough uh, reports of the mysteries. Did Evangeline include in her reports the picture of the creature moving? I do believe Tabitha decided that she wished to keep it <laughs> after, after um, Evangeline would not have pressed Tabitha's trinkets keeping. No, ab absolutely not. No, I'm just wondering. I'm sure Tabitha, if she didn't want to keep that in the report, wouldn't have mentioned it. But Evangeline probably would have mentioned the whole thing in the report. Absolutely. <laughs> And would have Evangeline have mentioned that Tabitha had it? No. no. And she'd come to you, Evangeline, and say, the, you mentioned that this thing reacted to blood and magic. You said that you had a picture of it. Do you know where that... Do you still have that picture? Unfortunately, do not. I... seems to have got misplaced. Perhaps it's with our things in the... in the, the truck somewhere worth finding but anything that's powerful that even the smallest pinprick of blood can create a connection with that creature it was most formidable if it's the creature i think we're you're talking about then i i agree have you heard of a creature like this before Art? i i did your your mother was interested in finding it. She your when your father um finished doing what he he did before the war and I'm I'm part of the way through the war, he brought many magical things back to this country and I believe one of those things intrigued your mother a lot to the point where she wanted to find out as much as she could about it. You understand your mother was 
is very determined in rooting out sources of evil in the world. And um, she saw this as a, a definite source of evil. Whatever this creature was at the time, she, we didn't know. But um, she looked into it and she had a lot of research done as much as she could find out. And well, her and Oscar moved to London, per, per, you know, she wanted to get away from, from here and the memories of, of Edinburgh and, and all, all of that. But she also wanted to start a life down there. And it also brought her closer to some sources of information that might be useful to find out more about this creature. A lot more archives in London than there are here. And she found out that this creature's name is Bale. And then at one point it was considered uh, an angelic force many, many centuries ago. But it became twisted as time went on. It's what she told me at least. And the last she told me about it, she said that she had made contact who, with somebody who seemed to have a connection with Bale. But it was the last, one of the last times I talked to her. I have the, I have the drawing. And I open up my little purse and um, unfold it. And she, uh, she gestures to, if she can have it, to look at it. Yeah, I give it to her. She takes it, she unfolds it, put it on her table. And then she uh, goes to her desk, opens the drawer and takes a file out. She says, your mother didn't leave many files here about Bale when she left, but uh, she uh, did a lot of um, copying things down so you don't have to take everything. Because our previous archivist uh, didn't enjoy things being taken out of the archives either. Perhaps the only thing that him and Evangeline share in similarities. Um, but, and she, she ta opens the file, takes a picture out and it's uh there's it's a very old etching sort of like old medieval pictures of um like sort of imagine from like the heat like the battle of hastings tapestry and all that the um but there's a section of it that has been circled essentially and um you see that there is a figure that does not look completely dissimilar to the picture that kate Man kelly drew so I recognize him from my, my recent dream where we yes, had a birthday cake. But in my other dreams, where I dream of the night my parents mm -hmm. died, I never saw never saw this figure once. Or anything, just a figure. You saw a tall figure with um long fingers and dangling hair tapping on the glass. That's not the same. It's not the same person. That sounds familiar too. Okay, I didn't say anything else to Annabelle. If studying the photo or the drawing. Now we we don't know this this thing. I I haven't heard about it in years, so I assumed it had perished or was in hiding. Um, 
but in any case, I assumed that because your when when Cora and Oscar died, the uh, the home was destroyed. I assumed that many of the items within were destroyed as well. I'm sure they lot of them were. Now, if there was anybody who would know what wasn't destroyed, it would be uh, your father had a partner when he originally was working. He was uh, yes at his job. At his his job. Yeah. Um, he had a partner that I believe he cut ties with before he um before he settled down an attempt to distance himself and to keep you safe keep you both safe his name was david temple david temple i never met him but from what oscar said he seemed like a a bit of a uh chancer a bit of a well older man but somebody who is out for all if you get essentially and was always mm. keen for a bit of the limelight but um last thing i heard of david temple i did ask oscar if he still had contact with him uh oscar had said that he had started up a strangely a music studio um and it was a oh, odd seemed like David decided that that was going to be his path after finishing his work. His work. His work. Um, it, I believe he set it up in uh, in Leith, which is not too far away from here. In fact, actually not too far a drive. But if you wanted to, it might be worth asking David if there was anything that he knows about where it ended up. I know if he was in contact with him, he may have known the house was destroyed and gone searching, looking for things that other people may not have looked for. There's probably quite a lot of expensive things in that house that may have survived. And David was always somebody who was out for all he could get. Disrespectful of the dead. Well, I never said he was a good person. And this may be the only path that we have at the moment to finding out where firstly the stone is and figuring out what we can do to stop Bale if he is back. I don't think it's a matter of if. Peter is no longer making eye contact with anybody. He's just looking down. I do have a musing I wonder of this Bale and why he would want to use bloodly, loyal servants and warriors and people that would follow him unquestionably, what would his motives be? Did your sister have any any information in her findings looking for him that uh, might suggest maybe his motives? She never went too much into that. She was more interested in the in tracing ancient histories back to to modern times and if he has now many servants I, I don't know if in the past he had that many but if he did have some I mean maybe he's a creature that doesn't necessarily always want to get his hands dirty maybe it's a defense mechanism maybe it's I mean it's power isn't it 
why why would you know anybody in of that ilk not take what they can get but why would he want to amass power why would he shine light in the darkest places and cause these things to emerge what is that he wants Daniel does look at Peter then I'm not sure but his motives aren't as pressing as the fact that he is out there and we can have a chance to stop him or at least find out what we can do to stop him doesn't matter why he's amassing servants if he is it's dangerous well i think that we will be able to use the changeling in some form as an ally it certainly seems to be after the same goal that we are now well next time you meet it perhaps talk with it i don't know how we can force it to go somewhere unless we trick it to get all there but we can just keep an eye on your house keep an eye on your on hetty's place of work and if it does some if somebody shows up that seems to be suspicious or a selection of people seem to show up that it could be suspicious we can always pull somebody in and question them. Uh, I, I will suggest that she stays at her parents' place. I don't know how she will take it, but certainly while, well, I know we have no plans of going out of town now, but it would be a good idea. Yeah, I agree. If you are worried for her safety, um, and it's too much of an inconvenience, Peter, would you be um, open to spending some more time here at the Institute? Um, and perhaps I could have your room made up for her. It is... No one would uh, bother her there. Yes, I haven't. I've been sleeping here recently. And Peter would have probably stayed at the Institute every night. Mm. And most of the day since the interaction. I think that's probably Evangeline's point. Um, Peter just eyes looking grey at the ground with a slight tremor to um to his hand, but is just not looking anyone in the eye, even Vera on that whole interaction. Peter. Um, yes. It's going to be all right. If there's anything you want to say to us, you can, but you don't have to speak to us if you don't want to. I know that your past is, has many painful points, but you are among friends now, and we have leads, and we have people to speak to, and we will see this thing through together and i'm using soothe my divine move to <laughs> calm peter what a lovely thing for Vera to do 
calm them down, blocking any panic, anger, or other negative emotions they have. There you go. Does that just does that just work? It doesn't work. say that it doesn't <laughs> just work. <laughs> just works, man. Okay. It doesn't need to be a permanent thing, Peter. But I understand that you know it, what Vera's done is perhaps soothed you a little. He calms and just looks at you and in a very calm moment just looks at you and goes I understand I will not go back into a cage though nobody's asking you to Peter in fact I, I, I think all of us very much insist that you don't none of us do that's what everybody says at the beginning so you are I'll cut away from that scene. That was very good. Um, and we'll do. Um, everyone's getting in the van. It's a short trip to Leith. Um, it's not a not a long drive from Central Edinburgh to Leith. Before you go, before you leave, um, Evangeline. In the archives, uh, Angus comes in before you go, and uh, with a cup of tea, and he says, "Oh, you're you're off. All right. Um, so." Did you need any files and I can get them before you go so I don't have to come mid-job? Is there anything you have in mind, anything you need? Oh. Great. Fantastic. <laughs> Fantastic. And, yes. and, she, and, and there's this like, big smile of her face and she kind of just gently puts like a, a hand to her shoulder and she says, we'll talk about this in your next appraisal. This, this is just so promising. But no, thank you, Angus. I think we have most things we need. Um, but uh, a little side project, if you will, for me while while we're away. Oh, yeah, no, of course. On top of my no on top of my normal work, yeah, no, of course, I'd have some more work. That's fine. But exactly. You should have ample time. Um, would you please just collect me anything you can find about the wild hunt? Ah, uh, yeah, no, I, I, I can do that. Yeah. So, um... <laughs> The mythological uh, thing, yeah, no, I can, I can do that. That's fine. Why? Thank you so much. Oh, um, sorry. While you're in with Annabelle, um, somebody came. Uh, the, I, I, the, I said you could probably, they could wait, but they said that they, uh, they had other engagements. Um, but they, they did leave the card. If you and he uh, takes from, he lifts a file on the, on his table, and he takes a small card out, and it's um. So very smartly decorated black card that has sort of gold filigree in it. Um, and on one side, you see there is a symbol of an E. And there's sort of like these uh, sort of um, sun-like sort of points coming out from it all around in like a circle. And on the other side, it has a, a uh, an office number, so a way to connect to this person and um you see it says charlotte glass head of the everbright club and he looks at and uh, angus hands us over to you and he says it looks like some sort of uh, fancy golf club thing maybe i'm not sure did they look like they attended golf i i don't know what people look like who attend golf but I mean, I guess maybe not. No, very fashionable. That's a London address. I mean, she must have driven all the way up. 
Yes. Seems right that she couldn't stay even for a few more minutes. Oh, people are busy. <laughs> I have work and other work to do. Oh, yes. Oh, and while you're on the work, um, if you could also f um, look up anything about Bale, a angelic force. Uh, I, uh, okay, right. Yeah, no, of course. Uh, absolutely. And uh, perhaps uh, if you yeah, dust through, you might be able to find some other um, archives you can reach out to if you uh, turn up a blank. Sure. Um, I'll see if there's any if there's anyone else. I don't know anyone else in the in the business of archiving this sort of stuff, but I'll I'll have a I'll have a wee look in the old directory. Wonderful. And she'll take like a sip and like do do that kind of like nod of her head and put it down on the table and then head out. So you all go. Um, is there anything specifically you're going you're doing before you go? Because we're going to cut straight straight to where you're heading. If uh... Peter would have gone to say goodbye to Albert. Hey, yeah, Albert, yeah, right now, yeah, Yep, you find Albert. He's in his office. Um, Peter would kind of go through the door, um, locking the door behind him as he goes through, knowing that he has had a conversation with Albert mm. about all of this. And obviously, Albert has not told anyone, so Albert no. has earned trust. Um, and he'll quite kind of clear his throat as he walks over. Um, uh, Albert, I need to go. Um, we're we're going on the road again. Very well, very well. Uh, well, if um, if you need to call, you know where I am. Yeah. Um. I, I'm. I'm I'm struggling with this. Um, I didn't tell them about what happened. I haven't told anyone about what happened, only you. Peter. The scariest things I've ever had to deal with in my life have been made easier because I had my brother by my side. I'm not saying that you need to tell them. But if it's something that might come up that may endanger the rest of the group, it may be worth letting them know. No, I didn't tell anybody because it wasn't my news to tell. But if you're worried, I would suggest sharing with at least someone who can let you lean on them. I, I don't want to go back in a box. I will not go back in a box his hands on your shoulders and like sort of leans down to try and make eye contact with you no one's putting you back in a box peter that's what everyone says at the start and then the chains come and then the manacles and then you're back in a box and then they're trying to kill you and kill everyone you love he brings you into a hug peter peter you're not going back in a box if you have to go back into a box, it will be over my dead body. Do you understand? Yes. Thank you. Oh, I need to get going. I need to yes. go. Um, take care of yourself. And there's some strange changeling person going after people they love. They tried to get Vera's roommate just... Fucking be careful. No new people at poker. Make sure you check who everyone is and just be oh, careful. Yeah, and I'll use this to 
uh, kick some of them out as well. Cheaters, most of them. Um, oh, yes, all of them cheaters. All of them cheaters. <laughs> Terrible taste in food. Um, I okay. Um, I need to go. I'm I'm going to go and join the others. Okay. Um, thank you. Think about what I said. I will. I will. And he kind of straightens himself up and everything else, unlocks the door, and goes and joins the others. So, you leave Thorn Investigations, take the short drive across the city, um, you know, in your van. This, you know, takes a little while. It's a bit fiddly to get across Edinburgh towards Leaf. Um, and you have the car, you have the van, and you end up getting down towards where Temple Studios is. Annabelle told you the uh, address for Temple Studios. Um this point, uh, a lot of this part of Edinburgh, there's a lot of um, sort of industrial industrial work going on here. People live here, but it's mostly a place where there's like uh, people work sort of more solidly. There's not really theatres and restaurants and cafes here. Um, you do see at least one. There's a nice little one because that's part of your team moves. There's a nice cafe. Um, you make your way into this part of the city and you sort of pull up alongside where you see the sign for temple studios temple studios looks like an old building um it's a few about three stories high um so classic old edinburgh build and um it's got this of slightly newer sign hanging over the door for temple studios um other things you see in the street just down the way you see that there is a a cafe um we'll, we'll say it's called the the uh king john cafe um i don't know why it's just called the king john cafe and um so there's this little cafe uh just a bit further along but it's not it's not the you know a nice little tea and cake cafe it's a you're going to go to work so here's a place to have a tea or a coffee before you go to work or when you're on your way back from work and there are quite a few sort of uh, sort of uh, older factories and stuff nearby. There's a few rundown buildings in the area uh, across the street from Temple Studios. In fact, there's a building looks like there's uh, building works going being put on it. Um, but it again looks like one of these sort of older, tall, like three or four story tall buildings. Um, but it has it's getting work done on it at the moment. And there's a few cars pulled up outside the front of uh, Temple Studios where there's a little car park has been sort of cut into the into the pavement um so what do you do uh if there's room in the car park for the van then we'll just pull in straight there okay. um you pull the van out to the front of temple studios and like i said it's a, a tall old looking building thick went thick looking windows and well, it's a music studio, so you imagine there's effort to make a little bit of soundproofing on the outside of the building as well as on the inside, where there will be plenty more. And you pull up, you pull your car up as well. Is there anything you do now you're there? You see it's, it's rain's fallen the last few days, so there's some quite sort of heavy like looking puddles and like the alleyway down the side of of the studios. And um, it gives a sort of impression of a bit bleak with the sort of the wet rain covered pavements and the sort of slightly more cheery looking sign that's been hung outside this building which has in probably the last couple of years taken a little bit of rain damage as well it it feels very like edinburgh 
Feels like Edinburgh. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It was like it feels yeah. very wet. Yeah, yeah, it feels very wet. It's lovely, but wet. <laughs> it's normal. <laughs> it's normal. <laughs> um, I think just I think people just look at Ruby's guy. Should, should we go in? And I think we just go straight to the door. I can't. There's no uh, reason to be cautious. Do Do any of us want to particularly lead Tabitha? Would you like to be the person who talks to David Temple? Yes, I would actually, Vera. Thank you. Okay. Up to you. I don't want to speak to David Temple. I, I'm happy just to, to stand at the back looking innocuous. Look menacing, Peter. <laughs> yes, Peter, I don't think you could not look innocuous if you tried. Menacing is... Menacing can escalate and it's not always something that can be controlled. So let's avoid menacing. Or stand up straight, at the very least. Okay. Right. So you head up to the main door of the um of the building and you you enter through this uh, sort of heavy door and you immediately um in front of you there's a reception desk and then there's a few sort of uh, there's a flight stairs that goes up uh, next to reception and then there's some corridors that go off to either side and you can see the sort of little signs above each uh, of these corridors where they head off to one that says studio one one says studio two um and at the reception desk, you have a, a sort of a, a older-looking woman sitting at the reception. She has a, a tweed jacket on um, and some uh, sort of very tight curls um, in her hair, thick glasses, and um, sort of views you all with an air of suspicion. And as uh, you ask to go see David Temple, she sort of is taken back a little bit. She says, um, well... Uh, unfortunately, David Temple did die a uh, a f few years ago now. But if you want his his son, his here, um, he might be able to um, deal with whatever you want. We probably should have called, but um, it would be great to speak to him. Um, I will go and check, and she gets it from her. Uh, her desk and she goes up a flight of stairs and she's gone for a couple minutes uh, in that time you have a chance to see in this area there are quite a sort of lot of photos up and about in this area of bands of people performing you see uh, there are some little plaques underneath um, some of them you see one that says Charlie Temple with um, uh, with uh, Nat King Cole um, and you see it's that kind of party this is much sort of a bit older guy um who has a, like a sort of smartish looking suit on um, with alongside uh, sort of Nat King Cole. You recognize Nat King Cole from the, the musician. Um, and there are a few more of these pictures dotted around. It looks like Charlie Temple probably got around and rubbed elbows with quite a lot of people. Uh, not Charlie, David Temple. Um, Charlie Temple was David's son. And uh, the receptionist comes down a moment or two and later. And uh, before she comes back, yes, is there time because it because she, you know, she just completely left the area to lean over the reception and look at the visitors' book or look at the visit? I'm assuming it's quite accessible, it's the 50s, there's some, there's some, yeah. and just see if there's any notable names in the last period that we've been. Here. Um, I mean, there's a few, you have uh, quite a few names. It's a uh, um, it's not necessarily a visitors' book, but there's a lot of people who are coming in and out of the building, some people who work there as well. Um, names that 
come up quite a lot. You have uh, Chai Temple, his name's written in there quite a lot, almost every day. You have Craig McLean, who looks like uh, Craig McLean, who's in most days. A person called Michael Shepard is in most days. Somebody called um, uh, Benny Campbell, also in most days. Uh, but then you also have a few other names that are in every other day. Uh, someone called Jen McKnight. You have um, a few names you may, one you probably do recognize a bit more, a man called Roy Porter, who is a um, singer um, who brought out a few albums in the past. They see they look like they come in most weeks, um, but uh, Peter, I don't know how up to date with music you are, but there's a name on there which you definitely recognise. Person called Don Rivers, and they signed in this morning, and they haven't signed out yet. So they are here. Um, Who is Don Rivers? Who is Don Rivers? Oh, that's Hetty's favourite singer. Uh, he's he uh, yes he's a, a a staple of our household. Excellent, excellent music. Okay. Um, I, I can recommend a couple of albums if uh, music is your thing. Um, I don't really listen to music except for Evangeline playing violin. And... Uh, did you say he's here? He's like in the building, yes. Would it be terribly unprofessional of me to ask for his autograph, do you think? Yes. We're going to give it another go. A bit more zing. A bit of zing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ready? Hello. Hello. With a hello. No, no, no. Hello. Wait till I get through the whole thing. Ready? Wait till. Hello. With a billowing hilltop. Hello. Hello. Oh, dear. Waiting to get through the whole thing. No, no, I mean. I thought that was the whole thing. The whole thing is hello with a billowing hilltop. Okay. That's the whole thing. Okay. Okay. That was right. Uh, that pretty much sums up the show. But if you want to find out any more, you can visit us at www.billowinghilltop.com. Is it com? Does anybody know? .org. Is it? It's .com. What do we do? What do we, what do we play? There's monsters. Um, does anybody remember? Walking around. I don't know. And, yeah. And we will be delighted if you to join us around our table as we play Dungeon. Is it 5th edition? Hello? Yeah, we think so. Yeah. Yes. Yes. We what play Dungeons and Dragons. Sorry, that was me. What was that noise in the background? There will be noises in the background as we play Dungeons and Dragons 5th edition through the classic Paizo adventure path, The Age of Worms. You can expect this. Oh! Quite a bit of this. Um, I'm completely not. This. This. I've got a bugbear in my underpants. And one of these. Oh dear. <laughs> we're on Apple Podcasts and we're on Spotify and we're on TuneIn and you can find us on Twitter and you can find us on Facebook. Uh, and we uh, hope you join us. Thanks very much. Hello everyone, it's Danny, your keeper, and I, I've run out of rhymes, guys. Uh, I need some suggestions. If you have any, please let me know. Thank you to everyone who's been listening to the podcast. We're really proud of what we've got going on here, and I can't wait for you guys to hear what's going to happen next in our mysteries. Thank you also to the guys over at the Billowing Hilltop. If you weren't convinced by their promo to go listen to them, take my word for it, go listen to their great podcast. 
And while you're at it, why don't you leave us a review and subscribe to us on whatever uh, podcasting platform you listen to us on. And if you're feeling so inclined, you can also go and follow us on our social medias. You can find us on Instagram at thethornfiles underscore podcast. You can also find us on X, while that's still a thing, at thornfilespod. Uh, We're on threads as well, and we're on the Blue Sky social. So you can come find us there for updates on episodes. And if I ever get a chance to do lore drops or stuff to do about us as players, that's where you'll find it. Now, let's get back to the mystery. Why would you need his signature on something? It's not for me. Well, it's it's for me a bit, but it it's it would be a gift. I don't have a copy. Uh, maybe they have his album here. Maybe there's a music shop around the corner I can run to. Uh, anyway, it, yes, no, you're, you're quite right. It's it's unprofessional. <laughs> um, and now, Peter, you see uh, that uh, Vegas has this reaction to the movies. You do see there are there's a picture of. Uh, David Temple with Don Rivers um, at the recording of one of his first albums called You're Home to Me. That was recorded here first a uh, few years ago. Um, and there's a few other ones up, things, one called The Funniest Feeling, uh, Can I Have This Dance, Midnight Moment. These are all songs by Don Rivers. Um, but they've all apparently, you know, you know, you don't know music, but this is apparently somebody who's fairly well known. Um, at this point, the receptionist comes back downstairs. She says, um, Mr. Temple is available. Uh, he does ask uh, who's here. If you, if do you have, uh, are you a group? Um, I think the the news of uh, David being dead has um, knocked the wind out of Tabitha's sails a bit. Uh, so she's probably just being silent, leaving anyone else to step in with a with a explanation. Answering well, we are friends of his late father's, um, and we uh, perhaps uh, wish to talk with him. Okay, um, I'll I'll go down and that. Uh, she goes upstairs. Only a like couple minutes, and then she comes back down. And she says, uh, "Yes, um, I mean he's he's up for a, he's available for a, a talk. Um, he is busy, but he he said that he can he can fit you in just now if that's something you need." And uh, she sort of leads you up. If you want to come follow me. Uh, Peter will hang to the back. So I'm Evangeline, following. Vera following. Peter a bit bit further back. And Tabitha following as well. Um, you're led up to the second floor of this uh, building. And you see there is, um, it looks like sort of green rooms areas up here. People, places for people to uh, relax and to have meetings. And then you see there is a couple of officers. One of them has the name Michael Shepard on it. And the other one has uh, Charlie Temple as a name. And uh, she opens the door to Charlie Temple's office. And you're led in. The office of Charlie Temple is a strange one, I think, to start off with. You see that it's quite a big office, uh, but it is sparse in its decoration. There's probably space for things to be put out, but things haven't been put out. And where there could be framed pictures, and things put on the wall. There's not really that much put up here. And then behind a desk at the back of the room near a uh, window, there's quite a lot of light in this room. Um, you see a man who does resemble vaguely the man in the pictures downstairs. 
and you recognize this as Charlie Temple. He's about uh, about Tabitha's age, probably, um, roughly Tabitha's age, and he stands up. He's wearing sort of a, a gray suit, not necessarily the smartest one in the world, but you know, for work, as to do. And he uh, looks at all of you. He looks a bit tired when he um, stands up. And says, "Ah, oh, so you were um, sorry. Uh, thank you, thank you, Andrea." Um, and the woman leaves. And says, oh, "Sorry, did any of you want any teas or coffees?" I would very much like a um, an Earl Grey, please. If you have coffee, I would. Andrea, do we do we have any? And she says, "I think I could probably get something." He says, "Thank you, thank you." And uh, Andrea closes the door. And he's right. Um, sorry, I don't have that many uh, that many seats in here, but uh, feel free to um, sit down. He has a couple of chairs in front of his desk. Um, so you knew my sorry, you knew my father. These two are hanging back by the door. I'm not going to sit at the table, just to be really clear. I'll just stand way back. Uh, yeah, so we did. I will sit down and I've gotten out a a slightly notepad and gently placed it on her cross leg with a with a small pen. And I'm um, stood just sort of behind Tabitha, backing her up. So I'm just um I I'm just you you knew my father. Is there I mean, is there anything I can do for you? Uh, well, your father and my father were associates. Okay. Um, before the war. Um, are you familiar with your father's work? Um, he sort of looks um, a bit secretary. Uh, I'm fairly certain I knew, I know now things that he he got up to before the war. Um, he was uh, quite good at keeping secrets from, from us, but I think I have any, sorry, what, what was this about who's your Oscar Thorne? No, <laughs> he would not have taken Thorne as the surname, surely. Modern, a modern man. Um, I uh, maybe I'm not not hundred percent certain. I haven't gone through all of my father's old paperwork, if I'm being honest. But um, is there anything as uh, well, the thing is, you see, my parents died in the Blitz, sorry. and um, thank you, sorry for your father, um, they had rather a lot of unique items, um, some of which your father helped my father come by. Um, okay. We wondered if any of them had made it back into his possession. Um. Well, you know, when I, I, you know, quite a few things um, my dad had in uh, in his house and and here, but um, you know, it's it's been difficult the last few years. I. Uh, I, I sort of I inherited this place. It wasn't something which I necessarily wanted, but um, I sort of wanted to keep it running. There's you know a few people who have worked here for for ages, and and I I didn't want to um, throw them out, so I, I kept the place going. And I didn't really know what 
how these things were. So I, I have sold quite a lot of things. Um, but uh, I mean, I can I can go through. I did try to keep a log of things which I found, um, which I had, um, you know, uh, priced and uh, before I sold them. I'm really sorry. I, I didn't I didn't realize that my father might have had something that belonged to you, belonged to you that wasn't um something I I knew. No, that's fine. I didn't know either. Do you do you know what the um what the what it is you're looking for? Uh, not specifically, no. My aunt, you see, she just has only just told me about your father and my father's association, and she said that if I was um, to find anything of my parents, that perhaps you would have it. My dad did keep a lot of stuff, and um, but uh, I, I, I tried to get rid of most of it. A lot of it, it was just taking up space. Um, Anything old? Yeah, a few things. Yeah, um, I can, I can, I used to um, try to change somebody. I, I'm, I can get a list uh, folder um, of things I can, and at that point, the door opens. Uh, to his office and a much smarter dressed man comes in somebody who looks like they've really put themselves together well uh well uh groomed um sort of sharp chinned tall man and uh he comes in and says um charlie i've called craig and oh sorry i didn't realize you were having a meeting are you new clients and charlie's no no um uh Michael, it's fine. These are just um, they're, they're friends of, of my father's. They just wanted to come and and talk. And uh, I says, right. Well, um, when are you going to be finished with your meeting? I need to talk to you. And uh, I says, ah, I, Michael, I'm when when I'm finished, I'll come and speak to you. Is it is it necessary for Craig to come in? He still seems a bit shaken up. I says, no, and Michael says. Yes, it's bloody well necessary. I only got Benny working as a technician, and he's stuck with Roy at the moment, so I need to get somebody in for Don. Uh, there's nobody... I... Craig's the only person who can deal with Don and all the parts in his it, music. Oh, it, just sorry to interrupt. Excuse yeah. me. Yes. I will... Um, oh yeah, I'll the tab for just like... Was a, a friend of ours is a, an amazing sound technician. Yes. Um, if you are really short-staffed... Um, your friend here is providing a great service to Tabitha. Perhaps, Vera, you wish to lend a hand as a uh, in support for Mr. Rivers. Our friend. Uh, I, 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 I could offer my services. And uh, Michael Shepherd looks at you, sort of down his nose. Um, you're a sound technician, are you? Uh, of of sorts. Uh, I've I've spent many years as a radio operator and um, various other uh, audio, audio signals. Right. And um, do you know how to put together a piece of music? Uh, do not sell yourself short, Vera. Please. It is one of her failings. It's probably why she doesn't hasn't moved into more commercial professions. Please, please help him. Uh, I'm I'm a technician of sound. Michael looks over towards um, 
Charlie, and Charlie goes, I, I mean, <laughs> could work. And I says, right, well... Um, show me the equipment, and if, I, if I'm incapable, then show me the door. Okay, well, I'll keep that in mind. Uh, you'll do it till Craig arrives, at least. And he says, well, um, your friends feel free to stay here, but I don't want to have too many, many people crowding Mr. Rivers, if that's okay. And he sort of says, come on, are you coming? Uh, yes, yes. And uh, he leads you downstairs, Vera. Um, I'm towards... looking wide-eyed at um, <laughs> the, the the other three as I as I follow. Um, Charlie says, "I miss 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 Mr. Anderson. Perhaps you wish to accompany Vera, just to help her with anything that she may need." No, she looked really capable. <laughs> <laughs> Brilliant. Evangeline will affix Peter with a look, um, having kind of her, her kind of like spidey sense has been tingling. I don't know, talking about some strange goings on with with the other technician. She's like, mm. um, um, yeah. Peter will say so there's a plan behind that. Peter will wait a little bit, and then as there's a kind of awkward silence, Peter will, will go, um, very yes. She needs help, and I'll go out. But I have no intention of finding Vera. I'm just going to sneak about. Okay. So you leave, <laughs> and you, you, um, and Charlie sort of. Oh yeah. Um, they'll they'll be in Studio One. I don't know if Michael will be expecting a second person, he, but he, um, he doesn't hear that bit. He's already gone. He's, he's already like, gone. <laughs> oh, and the door closes. And right. Okay. Don't worry. Don't worry, Charles. It's absolutely fine. Okay. Um. Right. And he looks over you, Tabitha, and he's, um, I'll get that um, file of, of things that my father had kept. And he uh, starts going into a, a large filing cabinet he has on the side of uh, the room. Say anything, Evangeline? You look poised to say something, Jay. Is there anything, Evangeline? She says, Evangeline kind of, she kind of just like, that's what I'm saying. You, um, you mentioned some documents you've not had yet a chance to peruse. Oh, you know, just, um, it's, uh, Things which uh, my my dad had in terms of um, movement stuff, uh, in terms of like uh, booking uh, transport and planes stuff. Like that. I haven't really gone through it because I, I started going through it. It didn't seem uh, pertinent to um, the selling of any of his of his stuff, so I didn't um, didn't need to go through most of it. But I, I could I could give that to you as well. I, I don't necessarily. You're not the government government officials, are you? Absolutely not. And she'll reach into this little polka dotted clutch and she'll pull out a beautifully embossed card and slide it across. It says Evangeline Lane Fox, head archivist for investigation. She says, I, I'm actually an archivist myself. And um, I would very, I would very happily um, collect all of this if it is, uh, has information for yourself and for my dear friend uh, Tabitha here. Of course. Uh, yeah, no, he, he hands over the sort of big, thick, heavy file. And uh, he brings out a, a slightly smaller one, and he sort of uh, puts on the desk between him and Tabitha, and sort of opens it up and flicks through it. And you see there's a few uh, photographs, there's a few um, descriptions and drawings of uh, different items. Um, you see there's things like old chalices. You see there are uh, jewels and bits of uh, jewelry clearly David Temple took for himself. Uh, that there are. Um, a wide assortment of things ranging from items of clothing to like a mirror 
uh, to like uh, a watch, um, and there's like big, big selection of different stuff. Um, Does if... any of it seem familiar to me? You can do an investigate a mystery. Certainly. Okay. Um, so nine on the dice. Mm-hmm. Um, is that my character sheet closed? Do I? Da, 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 da. Oh, that makes eleven. Lovely. So that means you get a couple of holds there. So, what are your questions? Um, I mean, like, um, some of them won't make as much sense to do here. But if you want to, if you want to style one out, I can let you do that as well. Okay. Um, I guess um, I'm looking for the you know, ultimately what I'm looking for is the the secret bail item. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so that's being concealed amongst this uh, selection of junk. Mm my eyes <laughs> um so yeah which one is important you do eventually find something which um covers that description at the back of a file um there's not a picture but there are a list of descriptions of other things that um it seems like david temple maybe had a hand in helping transport but didn't necessarily have um, when he came back to the UK, I hasn't like had for long enough to take a photo of him to keep a file of it. Um, but he definitely had it at one point, and you can guess from this that he also knew that Oscar probably took it. Okay. So there's a few things on that list there as well, which it looks like he probably knew Oscar had. So. David, they're not in the collection now. They may not be with David's stuff. They didn't come back with David, um, but he may have helped with the transport, but he didn't end up with it here at his in his house, but he knew that your dad did have it. Um, can I commit those to memory? Yeah, absolutely. Um... And I suppose otherwise I'd be looking for um, anything that strikes me as occult or magical or so anything with runes that I'm familiar with on or yeah. um, um, bloodstains. <laughs> bloodstains, you know, that sort of thing. Um, yeah, I would say things that um, things that stand out. You see, one of um, one of the things that was transported back was uh, a segment of a um, an old medieval shield. Um, looks like it had been cracked down at the middle, sort of, uh, and part of it lost. But it looks like it's it, the runic stuff that you can see on it. Uh, so puts it sort of high medieval times, um, and potentially. Uh, the, it has the look of something which could come from a Arthurian legend, perhaps. Ooh. Um, you also see the um, the watch which you saw before mm-hmm. um, has some interesting engravings on it, which might not necessarily be occult, but they're interesting. I like interesting. Stand out in that way. Um, you see that there is a a book of like 
uh, that looked like it was of herbs and other um, uh, sort of like magic, magic through plants, essentially. That was a German text, but uh, has been partially the front front cover was partially translated to help uh, David Temple clearly did a little bit of translating there. Um, and there's also the mirror that you saw before. Um, it has it doesn't have occult things on it, but it looks a bit odd. The like the outside of the mirror, like the frame of the mirror, looks. Like it was like a normal mirror, like quite a sort of tall looking mirror. But on the outside, there's uh, the frame is sort of made up of lots of hands clutching each other going all the way around. So you see a few odd looking occulty things. Most of the other stuff looks like it's probably expensive, um, but not necessarily occult. Sure. And is Charlie still with us? Yeah, Charlie's still with you, yeah. Um, I um. There are a couple of things in here that I would be interested in seeing. Um, yeah, I, I'm. If I, if I haven't told them already, I'm. I'd be. I'd be happy to let you. Um, let you have a look. Um, which Which ones uh, in particular? Um. Well. Uh. This. Shield. Right. Okay. Uh. The watch. Mm hmm. Um, the German text, and this rather delightful mirror. Um. Well, I could I could get you the the German text if you if you'd like the the watch. I um think I have somewhere. I don't think I gave that. I've been able to sell that one just yet. I'm I'm fairly simp. Unfortunately, I do think I sold the mirror. I think I gave it to a local uh, furniture shop. I'm not. Uh, it, I mean, it's a it's a mirror. I feel like I could just give it to. I don't need it. Um, and yep. uh, the the shield. Oh, I did. I did sell to one. Um, I sold to somebody called Ella Oliver. Okay. Um, shield. Okay. She seemed very very keen on it. And um, do you know where she's located? Ah, uh, you know, I think I may have her card somewhere. Um, uh, she 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 didn't leave. Um, but I can I can get this. And she he pulls out and gives to you, Tabitha, a smart black card with gold oh. embossed oh. lettering on it. It's card. And on the back, uh, the words Ella Oliver. Uh, club secretary, Everbright Club. Everbright. Sounds swish. How much did she pay for the shield? Just have to make some kind of count offer. Um, a couple hundred pounds. Okay. I mean, she, I, I did, I, I didn't expect her to offer that much, and honestly, I wasn't going to ask for that much. But um, she, 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 she went in with that. Really wanted it. And do you remember the shop that you took the mirror to? Oh, it was just I just one in town. I didn't really think too much about it. I'm I'm sorry. That's fine. No, 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 no. Any all of this is really helpful, Charlie. Thank you. So, while this is happening, Vera, 
you are brought down to Studio One. Um, and it is a, you know, I don't know if you've been in this sort of recording studio before. You've been in places where audio was recorded, but not necessarily this sort. Uh, you walk past a, a storeroom um, and then you're walked into the main recording area of this part of the studio. Um, on the other side of uh, a pane of glass, you see that there is a, um, a place where people are talking uh, there are some musicians uh, in there talking at the moment and you see that in front of the glass there is a large deck uh, covered in um, knobs and dials and things for which to edit and to record uh, audio smoothly and on the side of the room a large um, sort of set of tapes which are connected together which you can assume the audio is actually recorded onto um, when you are brought in by Michael Shepard, Michael says, uh, Mr. Rivers, we have um, somebody here who can probably um, keep things going till Craig uh, uh, Craig gets back. Um, sorry, what was your what was your name? Uh, Miss Bright. And he looks over and you see that there's a, um, a, a sort of small looking um, pointed face, a woman sitting in a chair in the corner. And uh, Michael says, uh, Jen, can you just make sure that uh, Miss Bright is uh, we can we can get her some uh, money for any work you do today, um, but you won't be put on payroll just like a you know day player. Um, uh, and is uh, Mister is that okay? And coming out of the recording booth, there are a couple guys in here. There's a much taller looking um, man in a sort of a black suit, and then a person walks out that you recognise all too well from the covers of his records very handsome man dressed in at the moment a sort of a burgundy a burgundy sort of a, a blazer and smart sort of trousers and a smart tie as well uh, don rivers has um sort of close cop closely cropped hair uh, neat bits of facial hair he has a uh, very dark skin and um he just when he sees you he just has this really warm smile on his face as he comes out of the recording booth and he says, uh, yeah, that that should be fine. Um, sorry, what was your name again? I didn't catch it. Uh, Miss Bright, Vera. Um, and I'm flashing back <laughs> to the times when Hetty and I have seen him play in person. Um, but he was, I don't know, a couple dozen meters away on a stage and we were uh, on a table surrounded by other tables of uh, people enjoying his music. Well, it is a pleasure to meet you, Miss Bright. Um, you worked in a recording studio like this before? The equipment I work with is a little different, but um, uh, I expect I will find this no problem at all. Well, hey, you know, we're all figuring things out as we go along. Um, but uh, he says, well, let's uh, let's get going. We uh, have uh, quite a lot to do. And um, he says, any any word from Eddie to Michael? Michael says, I uh, uh, haven't heard anything. Um, think he's, you know, maybe gone on a bit of a bender last night, and does his, he sort of regards this with a bit of a contempt. This statement before he's right. Okay, well, uh, let's let's get on. And he says, uh, Joe, do you have um? Uh, did you record record your baseline uh, last night? And Joe, this much taller man, says, Yep, yep, did already. And uh, says, Right, great. And he goes back into the recording booth. Says, uh, Well. Feel free to to find your way, uh, Miss Bright. Uh, we'll uh, I'll just be 
in here, messing around, let me know when you're ready. And he sits down behind a um so a large black grand piano that's set sat in the center of this recording booth. There's quite a lot of space. You see there's loads of instruments, racks of instruments, some which are there, some which aren't. Uh, there's trumpets and clarinets and all sorts of things, guitars, uh, all set up for people to be able to use if they needed to use them. And in the center of the space is the piano, which uh, Don Rivers now sits at, and he starts tinkling away at it, waiting for you to show up. And he's ready, uh, you're ready, uh, playing a few notes of the um, You're Home to Me, which is one of Petty's favorite songs. Um, I start looking over the equipment that they've got in this in this booth, um, casting my eye over um, uh, a couple of little tape decks, filters, oscillators, all the sorts of equipment that you'd expect to see, boards with knobs and dials. Mm -hmm. And um, I think I'm probably, <laughs> I'm probably slightly disappointed by some of the equipment that they have mm. um, because I'm used to particular gear mm -hmm. um and um although they've probably got a couple of bits and pieces in here that i i've uh, are new, much newer versions of things that i've um worked with previously and um vera is very much trying to focus in on sort of the mechanics of all of the equipment in this room rather than uh remembering that don rivers is in the <laughs> next room um, okay, can I have an act under pressure <laughs> from you? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that seems appropriate. Um, uh, hmm. Okay. And if this rolls is badly, uh, I am fully prepared to use the luck to make sure it goes well. Ooh, that was quite bad. Uh, yeah, acting under pressure. I don't have... That was pretty bad. Oh, roll plus sharp instead of plus cool when you act under pressure. Okay, that's fine. That's a nine then. Oh, brilliant. Okay, so uh, yeah, you you do well with the with the dials. You figure yourself out um, and how to make it all work. I'll say the um, slightly worse outcome is that it just doesn't. It doesn't. It takes you a while to get up and running. A bit longer than you probably would have liked. You would like to sit down and be like, cool, that's how this works, that's how this works. And you came with confidence of like this, so like you normally work with other stuff and it's it's you know a bit disappointed. But then actually when it gets down to it, you're like, oh shit, okay, um, like this has worked slightly differently than I expected it to. Um, okay, I need to figure this out. And so it takes you a little while. Maybe they try to do a take and um it doesn't it doesn't work out the first time, and then you have to reset everything. Um so maybe you didn't didn't do the best job you could have in front of Don Rivers, but he seems like a pretty chill guy. Um, the who isn't a chill guy is Michael Shepard, and he's behind you when you make this mistake. He goes, right, and uh, well, I guess that's what you get for hiring off the street. Um, and he's okay. Well, I'll let you know, Don, when uh, Craig gets here, and he sharply leaves. Is Jen? Can you just make sure that Miss Bright doesn't break anything? And Jen sort of looks at you and sort of goes. Oh, sorry, because that sort of look of I'm not gonna this isn't this isn't my scene, <laughs> this this guy. I give her a perfectly placid look to say everything is completely fine. Um and Michael Shepard leaves. Now Peter, where are you at this point? You're snooping. 
Peter is absent-mindedly kind of just being nosy, mm-hmm. and all Peter has in his head is, is there a big storeroom somewhere filled with loads of old stuff stolen from Abathus and Tabitha's parents? And I think just in his head, he's just like, everyone here lies. There's probably like a big room filled with like ancient artifacts, and I'm just going to wander around and find it. Cool, can I have an investigate for mystery then? Yeah. If that's what you're doing. Oh, that's a fail. <laughs> that's a five. Okay, so a, that, that, I mean that's really a fail. That I mean that is a that's a hard fail of five. Yeah, unfortunately. Um, so let's double check. Anonymous, you reveal some I information, reveal some to, information the monster, to the monster or whoever or you are talking yeah. to. Um. Okay. Yeah. That's so because I don't even know there is a monster here, so that's even more interesting. You uh, are sniffing. And you, I would say, probably if you are sort of absentmindedly going about expecting to find something, there's probably an element of Peter maybe sort of casually using some of his magic to work at doors and make things, if maybe things are locked, sort of opening things which you maybe don't have immediate um, connection to, immediate sort of uh, access to. And uh, you, oh, you so snooping downstairs. You you find your way downstairs. Um, the secretary is uh, is is not the at her desk at the moment. She seems to be away in some kitchen, maybe making tea and coffees. Um, and you wander down towards where Studio Two is. Don't go fully in Studio Two, but you see there's like a dressing room before Studio Two. Make your way in there, snipping, snipping, snipping. There's nobody in there. Looks like there's some. Uh, somebody's stuff is laid out this is a long mirror with sort of lights um, dotted around it um, and you there's a phenomenon I can't remember the name of it just now but when you stare at your reflection for too long and you start to notice changes in your own reflection and it's one of these things that your mind can't cope with you staring at your reflection for that long and you don't notice this much but you are snooping around seeing that there's a cupboard in here you open up the cupboard and um, you turn back to leave to go back to the door and for a moment your reflection doesn't move at the same time as you do But you look back, maybe take a second to think about what's just happened. And then the door opens and a uh, a much older looking man comes in with a sort of very flashy looking suit that perhaps was very expensive in the past, but does now just look a bit uh, tattered. Um, and he comes in and says, uh, what are you doing in here? This is my changing room. Uh, sorry, I thought this was my changing room. I got right. confused. Well, is your name Roy Porter? And he points at a sign on the door. No. Then I swan that didn't say that. Sorry. No, then bugger off then. Oh, okay. Um well nice to meet you, Mr. Porter. Yes, yes. And he closes the door. <laughs> yeah. 
keep sniffing. And then, and then he kind of he stops. He'll keep sniffing, but he's now his snooping has evolved into something cr- that that was a bit weird. But he'll probably think it's just something to do with him, and he's now like, great. Now my reflection is going weird. That's that's his starting point. Yeah, and I think with uh, as you are having this thought. Um, the front door to the studio opens, you come back into the foyer as it opens, and a very shaken up man comes in. He's older as well, maybe not as old as Roy Porter was, but he looks like somebody who may dress fairly smartly most of the time, but he is looks very tired, very out of sorts, and as he looks at you, he stares in what a sort of combination of fear but perhaps just somebody who has ner- too many nerves that they can possibly deal with and um, they say uh, um, I, I'm sorry is, 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 um, is Charlie Temple around I'm, my, my name's Craig McLean I, I, can't, I can't be here I need, to, I need to see him quickly of, of, of course of course come with me I'll take you to him now 